Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. Uh, I am your podcast host and uh, the founder of MBAschool.com. And today I have the pleasure of having Lulu Curiel, who is the founder and president of Ivy Advisors, a leading MBA admissions uh, consultancy. Uh, and Lulu, Lulu, in addition to being a proud MBA alum, um, has worked with numerous uh, MBA aspirants and MBA candidates, and now MBA alum, um, who have gone to some of the top MBA programs. And I'm very grateful to have Lulu here today uh, because she's going to talk about a topic that I think is every is a lot of top of mind for many MBA candidates. And really, it is about how do I get into a top MBA program? And, and really, what are some of these top MBA programs like the top 10 really looking for in their candidates? Um, they can't admit everyone. And so we want Lulu to help us understand um, what the things they look for. So if you are one of those people, um, you can get into business school. So Lulu, so first off, thank you so much um, for, for being here uh, and for joining me and for being willing to share your insights. And maybe even before um, you know, we jump into some of your expertise, would you mind maybe sharing you know, a little bit of your background? Um, I know you went to business school, but you know, where did you go? And then how did you start um, your, uh, uh, your business? Yeah, hi, thanks Al. I'm so excited to be here and um, have this discussion. I attended the Harvard Business School. And prior to that, I was at Deloitte. I was a consultant. And so that you know, at the time of applications, I was an international student. Um, currently, I am here. I am, I am in the US, no longer you know, needing a visa and all of that. So navigating the journey was complicated for me. Um, from a personal background, I'm multicultural. Um, from Latin America, the US, and Asia, there's so many components in my life that I, I wasn't born with a network or with a um, mindset of going to business school. So I started Ivy Advisors when I joined business school in 2008 at the height of the recession. And we're in 2010, I, I feel like I'm having a deja vu <laughs> of some form. And I said, look, there's so many myths. There's, there's so much misinformation. And um, I had friends reaching out to me asking, how did you go? So that's when I started thinking, maybe I should do something here. Um, and that's how Ivy Advisors was born. That's great. Uh, the two things that I love there, number one, um, I am also a, uh, I like to call myself a, a retired uh, consultant. Um, and I also started my career at Deloitte. So I, I love that. Um, and the other thing is, is that um, I love how you um, saw an emerging trend and took advantage of it. Uh, and so I think that's really great. Um, let's dive into this. So let's start, <clears throat> let's start with, we're in 2020. Um, we're in a time where career outcomes are super important and careers are really important. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what is the value of an MBA today? I mean, you know, let's just start with the premise of should you even get an MBA? Yeah, and that question is top of mind. You have somebody like Peter Thiel 
even saying you shouldn't even go to college, forget the MBA, but even college, where's the value of that? And now you incur debt for a four-year college program. You, you go to work, you're finally making money. Why would you even incur more debt to go to an MBA? So there are different components in terms of the value of the MBA. Number one, um, if you just Google this, the, the stats are there, but there is ROI. The average post-MBA salary increase is 2x. And the average post-MBA compensation is around $170,000, $173,000 if you want to be more exact. So those are great numbers. And as I recall, my pre-MBA <laughs> compensation was not, nowhere near that. And I did double my compensation at a, from a personal experience. And I know that many of our um, other clients, they've experienced that as well. Um, on top of that, there's the brand equity that you get with an MBA, whether you went to a top school, a top 10, a top 20, top 30, doesn't matter, but there's a brand that's associated with it and the culture that you, you inherit from there. And third is your network. I think, um, you know, in the real world, what you, it's not what you, what you know. I think on top of that, it's also who you know in order to get somewhere. And some of the most valuable networks are in these MBA circles. So it, it, it's great to expand your network. In terms of knowledge, I do have to agree with some of the more emergent mindsets in terms of you can get the knowledge everywhere. You can sign up for a course in Coursera or whatnot, but there's no substitute for productive discussion, for professional argument, for people in the room disagreeing with each other and pushing each other to be better. Um, I think that's what's not there in an online learning model. I think I think a lot of that makes sense, and a couple of things that stood out stand out to me. Number one, I, I love how you brought up Peter Thiel um, because um, you know. So a couple of things. Number one, he um, he very much speaks in absolutes, right? And so you should everyone should not do this, or everyone should do that, or this or that or the other. Obviously, everyone is unique, and for some people that might apply, and some people it might not. But um, to what I think a lot of people in tech have been. Um, uh, synthesizing what he's saying, um, you may know about this too. There is a program out there called Jolt, which is supposed to be the, uh, they call themselves the NAMBA, so not an MBA. And <laughs> their whole premise is they went and they took what they believe to be, based off of feedback from MBA students and alum, the most critical components topic-wise or competency-wise of an MBA, and then funneled them more into an online format and then made them much more bite-sized and smaller. And so now they're offering, you know, uh, uh, what they're calling not an MBA, but like an MBA like curriculum um, done virtually for, uh, I don't know, a couple grand a year. Uh, but, you know, I think for some people that could be great. But to your point, and I think one of the points that I also see too, is that uh, so much of what we know about learning is that it is a very much a social, uh, there's a social component to learning that is really critical um, to really helping people understand concepts. And that is hard to replicate um, uh, outside of a, an acad a true academic environment. So I do think it speaks to the value. Um, I do think there is a value and there is opportunities for people who want to just really focus on the knowledge and just, you know, get that skill to be able to get to the next stage of, of their career or whatever. But to the other points you made, particularly around the brand equity, as well as the network, those are really hard to replicate um, outside of a, a top MBA program. So I'm um, just unpacking a little bit more of what you said because it really resonated with me because I was literally reading another article about Jolt um, this morning. 
Um, but yes. Um, and I guess maybe talking a little bit more. So you talked a little bit about the brand equity piece, and I think that's true for MBA programs, but I think it's really true uh, for some of those top MBA programs, right? And so, um, you know, the top 10, we'll just say the top 10, if you will. And I know that you work with lots of candidates and applicants and have over the years. Um, and so I'd love to learn a little bit more based off your experience. Um, you know, what makes a good candidate for a top, you know, MBA program, like a top 10, you know, when you're kind of getting to know them, you know, what are the things you try to look for that gives you a better sense of, okay, I think this person has the potential or this person's really going to need to really do a lot of work in order to, to make them a, a good potential candidate for some of the top schools. Got it. I think, you know, um, first of all, I like this quote. I think it's by Michael Jordan and it says you miss a hundred percent of the yeah. shots you don't take. Of course. Um, in terms of evaluating who's a good fit for the top 10, I am biased in that everybody is a good fit for a top 10. That said, the preparation journey is different. It might take somebody, whatever, five years, and I've worked with those who take five years and I'm with them along the journey, or it might take them six months because of other circumstances, right? Um, and the starting point is looking at the fundamentals. The fundamentals are what's your undergraduate GPA, what is your GMAT or GRE score? Unfortunately, it has to be that way. And I know there, there are many others who probably didn't have a background that would um, help them in, in the standardized test environment. Standardized testing itself could be argued that it's a biased system. So, but unfortunately, we do have to start, have to start from fundamentals, GPA and test scores. From there, Understanding where are you, how do you index average, above average, below average, compared, stacked against the top 10, and then understanding the preparation journey that continues from there. So those are other components of your fundamentals, any CPA, CFA, or professional certifications, your professional journey, promotions, how you're doing, your performance evaluations, what did you get, how are you indexing at a place like Deloitte? You know, so we, we have our ratings, we all know them. So let's go with the hard data and understand the picture in front of us. Then from there, that's what continues is really the fun part, which is getting to know the person. And that is you really being authentic, really being yourself and willing to break down. Somebody who works with a coach like me, and, and that's just my and our IB advisor style, is that we are trying to understand the person. And if you are able to break yourself down and you're able to be honest with your coach, there's a lot of potential we can reach. Um, but if you're guarding yourself already now behind the scenes with your coach, then there's, there's a question in terms of let's unpack that. Why is that happening? That's the starting point. There's so much more we, we have to talk about. Um, but that's a starting point that we're really trying to gauge who you are and your potential for leadership. I think, I think that's a great approach. And one of the things that I've always thought, and I've talked to other applicants about this um, after they've gone through the process is that the MBA application process is actually a really good self-reflection process in and of itself, whether you're doing it alone or doing it with, with a coach. And I do think it can be hard sometimes uh, for people to ask themselves those tough questions or the probing questions to really, uh, to really get to the, to, to the, um, secret sauce of, of who they are. And so I'm just curious, um, obviously, you know, 
there's always the option of working with someone like you and that's great. But if you are a candidate who maybe is struggling to find or ask those tough questions about themselves or really struggling to pull those unique things out, you know, what kind of guidance or advice would you, would you have for them? You know, if that's just a, a struggle that they they're facing. I think um, when you want to be in a place where you're struggling to get to, the rule of thumb is to surround yourself with those who are already there. Let's yeah. start there. Um, number two, acknowledge. You know, I think admitting that there's a gap and you have to fill that gap is important because that means you're willing to do the work. You, you're not going to do the work if you don't acknowledge it first. So acknowledge, I have a gap, if mm -hmm. you have one, and here's my gap. And now we, we can work together. Let's go through these questions. And some, um, as an example, we're in the, both of us, I think we're in the Bay Area. So I work with a lot of tech um, professionals who are engineers. And, yep. and they're like, at the beginning, super sharp, super smart. And I have to say, pause. You're super analytical here. You're, you're, you're being overly analytical here. Can you not analyze your own answers? Just give me who you are. And um, let's acknowledge it's going to be a process to introspect. So I start asking them these questions and not just, you know, um, who you are and then all of that, but also how have you grown? Yeah. All of that is about how you are trending upwards personally and professionally. At the end of the day, you are applying to a competitive program. It is a highly competitive process and you have to stand up. Yeah, I think that's great. Thank you for following up on that. So again, <clears throat> you've worked with lots of candidates over the years and you've seen them have some great results, but I'm sure you've also seen plenty of mistakes uh, or missteps, you know, along the way. Uh, would you maybe walk through some of some, some of those common mistakes or missteps that you see candidates make that they don't do intentionally, but as a result of doing them, you know, hinder their ability to be successful? I think the mistake number one is to overcompensate, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's through your story, your essay or your resume that in, in a way, I mean, just acknowledge everybody applying to an MBA program is young. <laughs> and there are a few who are CEO who are really great, but those are the few. It's, there's a reason why they're the few. On average, you have high-performing young professionals. You're still not CEO of a public, <laughs> publicly traded company. So there are those who overcompensate by bragging too much, pretending too much. And that comes through. That's, that's mistake number one. Another mistake is trying to argue, you know, write a white paper on whatever business topic they want to be writing about. And that's not what the school is evaluating you on. It's not like how much you know about FinTech. You know, the admissions officers are not FinTech experts or whatever EdTech, whatever it is. They are evaluating you, the person. So focus on you, not the white paper that you want to write. That's, that's your action plan for after business school. And the other mistake on the other end of the spectrum is um, just filtering themselves out. Some people are wonderful candidates and we oftentimes have to push them and say, no, 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 you should apply to a top 10. Don't hinder yourself um, in, in just thinking you shouldn't. So that, that's also on the, other side, on the other side. Yeah, thank you. And I think the, the hard thing about the last one, the last one you mentioned, because um, I've seen this before, is just 
you know, on one hand, you're absolutely right. But on the other hand, again, like we talked about earlier, sometimes you look at the profiles of the school and you see, here's the average GMAT score, or here's the range, or here's the GPA. And then you look at that and you say, oh, well, that's not me. Um, you know, like, and so, and obviously, you know, I think most people understand the mathematical concept of a range and, um, but you know, even, even with that, it can be intimidating to look at that and, and kind of be like, you know what, like, maybe this isn't for me, or, um, you know, maybe I don't, I don't belong, you know, in a school like this. And so how, um, I'm curious, how do you kind of, um, manage both sides of both, um, not being overconfident, but also, um, you know, not underselling yourself or, or not, or or not striving. Right. Because, uh, you know, that's important too. That is so important. And as coaches, we have to be careful that that is a balance. And by the way, somebody with a 3.9 GPA and 780 GMAT might not get into a top 10 program because they're, they might be too arrogant to be honest with you. Um, so, um, what we do is at the acknowledgement part is first, I think once you have clarity, clarity of who, how you stand, how you stack against competitors, the who you are comes up, you know, it's part of the process, but let's look at the picture. If you have clarity, we, ha- we can have a conversation for those who are stacking below average. The conversation is, are there other moments in your life where you you demonstrated grit, where you overcame a challenge when you did something that was not within your reach. Of course, if you're born as the son and daughter of a high-end executive and were surrounded by these business people, the stakes are higher than as coaches. We make you aware that the expectation for you is higher. But if you were in another environment, you were not surrounded by these kind of executives and business-minded people, then you overcame other challenges that are so valuable for the MBA program. So we have that conversation and I'm like, so what was it? What, what is that chip, that spark within you that pushed you forward? And that's where you ignite the, the person and they're like, oh, oh, maybe I can do this. And then being realistic in that, all right, we're going to, to play and reach for the stars, yeah. understand. Um, it's a risk and most of the applicants understand and they still want to try, right? Sure. Of course. So something that you mentioned there, as you talked about that, that stands out to me is this, this idea of, of leadership, right? And the importance of, of leadership, uh, either because uh, they want you to have some leadership skills so that they can groom and develop you so you can go be a better business leader, but just the importance of leadership in general and applicants. So I'm curious, could you maybe talk a little bit more about the importance of leadership and, and why it's um, uh, perhaps why schools are looking for it. And also maybe how do you demonstrate that? Mm-hmm. First of all, um, there needs to be clarity on what is leadership. Everybody's definition of leadership is different. And um, from working with MBA applicants, there's a lot of myths. Um, some young applicants have this idealism that leadership means you're a manager and you have a team directly reporting to you, and you tell them what to do. That, that, that's a top-down model. But the, the beautiful part of leadership is that it's so diverse. It could be leading from the back, leading in a collaborative environment. It could be you know, influencing others who, without title and rank. So that's that beauty, <laughs> the, the, the gray area of leadership, is what schools are looking for. 
that you as an individual have the potential for leadership, have the capacity for leadership, and you demonstrate it in different parts of your application, in, in every component of your application, through the resume, just calling out you know, numbers and stats of you, what you achieved, and calling out the context of leading a 10-person team, coordinating, that's leadership in another form, coordinating a task force of whatever, whatever, right? You show it with your recommendation letters. You tell your recommender, hey, it would be great if you could highlight this one moment when I was the one in the room, everybody disagreed, I mean, everybody agreed on one idea and I was the only one disagreeing and pushed back. That's a moment to highlight and you show it through your essays by just calling out those moments and giving more context to what you do. But that's what the schools are looking for, your capacity for leadership, not just you saying I have capacity, um, but data points where you showed that capacity. I think that's a great point. And one of the things that as you're talking about this and as you're talking about the importance of being able to know who you are and know where you're going, I think part of the challenge sometimes is that things that we, when we look at our experiences, we just kind of look at them as experiences and we don't always unpack the value behind them Uh, because, you know, we just see them as, oh, I did that thing that one time or, oh, like, yeah, like that's, that's a strength, but like, you know, maybe it's, I don't really know if it's, if it's that valuable, but sometimes having someone else to be able to shine a light back on us to help us see um, that that is really valuable um, or, that, that, that thing that you didn't think was leadership was actually a really good example of leadership, right? Um, but you, you, you did it because you just thought it was the right thing to do and it made sense, but you, you weren't necessarily thinking that it was leadership. And sometimes I think it helps to have um, you know, someone like yourself or another um, consultant or a trusted mentor or friend to be able to shine that light back in you to say, hey, uh, this is actually something that's really valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like the, that extracurricular thing you did. I'm like, Oh, that's just extracurricular. Right. Whatever I did right. in my spare time. And then we're like, no, that's it. You shine your light on that story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I think about, and maybe hopefully this will resonate with you. Um, I, sometimes I work with, um, or just, I have friends who are, um, consultants at companies like Deloitte. I think of all the, um, firm activities that you have to take on and do. And so again, you know, when you work at a company like Deloitte, I mean, everyone does firm activities, right? But there are a lot of them sometimes that um, they just kind of, I'm like, just, they just kind of like, yeah, like I did that thing. And I'm like, no, like you, there was more than just that thing. Like there was, um, uh, there was initiative that you had to take to do that thing, or you had to rally a bunch of people together, or you had to get a team to see um, a point of view, or you had to execute something under a really tight timeline. And oh, by the way, like, you don't have direct control over these people. So you have to influence them to get that. And that, that is the essence in a lot of ways of, of leadership. And quite frankly, um, particularly for recent MBAs, like that is relatively the leadership that you have to really demonstrate, right? The ability to drive change or drive impact without necessarily having direct reporting control over a group of people. So um, that is something I really try to, um, to really encourage and talk to, particularly with some of my friends who sometimes think those extracurricular things are, oh, that's not a thing. I'm like, no, but, but actually it really is. Totally. Totally. Um, well, this has been great. So, um, one more, uh, one more question that I, I would love to have you maybe, um, maybe talk a little bit about just, um, uh, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but I know you've worked with lots of candidates and clients over the years. I'm curious, um, 
maybe if you wouldn't mind maybe sharing a story, obviously you don't have to name names, but maybe um, one in particular that you worked with that, that really stands out who um, maybe they didn't necessarily see that leadership skill within themselves, but you were able to kind of help pull it out of them. And just to kind of give an example of, of what a, a good example uh, of a unique example of leadership um, that someone could bring to the table. Yeah. I'm thinking of one person. I didn't check with her if I could use her name. Um, so let's call her Jay. Perfect. <laughs> yep. That's let's great. call her Jay. Jay comes from an, an immigrant family, Hispanic mm-hmm. family in Idaho. Her GPA was 2.9, undergraduate yeah. GPA, or 3.0, like somewhere there. Yeah. Um, and she took the GRE, which translated to like a 600. Um, and she was applying round three to Sloan. Yeah. Round three, for those of you who are listening, it's almost impossible to get in. Most people get in round one, round two, and round three, it's like your whatever leftover <laughs> spots and it was and I had been working with Jay for multiple years just encouraging her she's like oh yes um I should I shouldn't she had she knew people she she was building her momentum her inner momentum and working with her I found out that she was the one she was the only Latina from her high school to to join a full-time, like a four-year full-time school, mm-hmm. yep. um, college, in the history of the high school. Let's start there. She was the one who founded a, um, like a Alpha, it's an association of Latino professionals for America, who brought that chapter to Idaho. Like that, that chapter didn't exist. She was the one, the first in her family and in her entire high school and you know, her college class to land a job on Wall Street. And, and then at her job, she was sourcing, she was leading this program to source diverse suppliers mm-hmm. at her job. Yeah. And, and yes, her stats were against her. And um, I'm like, well, it is what it is. Be able to take the rejection, um, be willing to go for it, but you got to go for it. And yeah. we just worked on that. And for those of you who work on Sloan, it, there isn't much space sure. to do anything. It's a cover letter of 300 words and a one minute video that's mm-hmm. not supposed to be edited. And she delivered all of that. Everything I said, she delivered all of it. And she's now <laughs> a dual degree program from the Harvard Kennedy School and MIT Sloan MBA program. So that, that's who she is right now. That's wonderful. I'm curious if you could put your uh, uh, admissions director hat on. Um, and obviously, she got admitted. But if you were an admissions director and you saw that candidate, like what what's going on? Like, uh, what makes you give the green light for for someone like that? Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I w- I don't know. The, those are the words they use in the admissions office sure. department. But I would say the amount of grit. Yeah. That mm-hmm. she demonstrated a, 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 every situation was meant for her to fail. Yeah. And yet exactly. she found some motivation to go, I'm going to go through it. Yeah. And she went through it. Not yeah. only that. So number one is the grit. Number two is that once she got somewhere, she turned around, looked at those behind her and, mm-hmm. and threw down the ladder for them. Yeah. I think that's number two. Like every, anywhere, whatever applicant you are, in some way you have to demonstrate that grit and that ability to turn and say, who am I reaching yeah. behind me and helping? Yeah. Um, 
And number three, she wasn't going to business school as this is the end of my journey, you know, like, voila, this is it. Some, some do think of that. She had so much more and she, mm-hmm. her, she had a plan. Yeah. She continues to have a plan. So there's future in her. Those three yeah. components, that's what I'm seeing as an admissions director. And look, the stats are not that pretty, but it's understandable why. Sure, sure. Um, as you talk about this, I'm reminded by the phrase, um, reach while you climb. Um, yeah. And I think, that's a, I think that encapsulates her pretty well. And uh, a great reason why any M- top MBA program would want a candidate like that. Um, Lou, so change, switching gears for a second. So uh, we're filming this or recording this in, uh, in the end of August, which means that uh, the application season is among us. I'm just curious, how has it been so far for you? I'm uh, you know, what's the application you're looking like? I'm sure um, you're starting to already advise clients. I'm sure you've been, you know, having some conversations with admissions directors or perhaps your, your team. You know, what, what, are you, um, what, what are you seeing right now? Um, what, um, what's, what are some of the things that are happening? Year 2020 is unique. Everybody knows that. And um, from the MBA application landscape perspective, there are more applications. Uh, we just see an overwhelming amount of demand for admissions consultants and just people willing to go to an MBA program. The question of what's the value of an MBA still continues, but I think it's also people looking for hope (laughs) for a different shift in their careers. So that's number one. Um, There's a level of competitiveness. It's a very competitive year. There there are amazing candidates out there who have done great things in their life Um, across industries. There's no, no, no such thing as one industry over indexing. Um, so what I'm seeing is just overwhelming amount of demand, hyper-competitive round, uh, at least for round one, um, and then an increasing demand for round two. I, w- I would like to see, I think the schools are very understanding, at least from my alma mater here. I know, you know, the school is very understanding. Human beings are the ones who run the admissions office. And, and they understand people who are being laid off, people who are unemployed and applying that don't look at that as a stigma, but, you know, remain active. What are you doing? <laughs> um, people who are in the front lines and, and people who maybe were going for a promotion, but it was halted, right? All of that. I think those circumstances do happen as well. And the, the admissions officers are very understanding. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. Well, uh, Lulu, thank you so much for being here. Um, if our listeners want to learn more about you or engage with you more, um, where can they find you? Where should they, where should they go? There are two ways. Number one, um, email info at ivadvisors.com. Well, you know, you can visit the website too. But the other way is that I'm actively posting on Instagram. So my handle is Coach Lulu Curiel. And just follow me. You'll see success stories. I'm sharing tips and whatever. You can ask questions and then oversharing um, the knowledge um, from admissions consultants. Great. We'll make sure we link that in the show notes as well. Lulu, thank you so much for joining and for sharing some of your your insights and your uh, expertise, as well as what you're seeing for the upcoming year for MBA admissions. I really appreciate it. Thank you all. I'm so excited to hear this. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast. 
and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.